who gets lost all the time. So just look around, look around. Look how many women are raising their hand. Don't beat me to the funny part here. How many of you now gets lost all the time? So just look around again. It's kind of mathematical impossible, isn't it right? Everybody knows someone who gets lost all the time, but nobody is one, isn't that right? It's kind of funny, isn't it? Now I have a better question to ask. Is that person here that you know that gets lost all the time, is that, is that person here today? So don't point. Some of you are pointing already. It's kind of funny. I can see everything from here. I, I, I just saw someone doing, doing this. And, and somebody was looking in, in that direction over there. So that's not nice, Paula. <laughs> Jokes apart. I am a person who gets myself lost all the time. I'm horrible with directions. And I'm so horrible with directions that there was one time, you can ask my wife, true story, too stupid to make, to make it up. I drove from where I lived in Calexico, kid you not, 100 miles on the wrong direction, late to an appointment on a Saturday morning. Can you believe this? She said yes. <laughs> some, some people know me better than others. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> really? 100 miles in the wrong direction. Have you ever done that? My goodness. Do I get a trophy or something? And the worst part was my wife was telling me, don't you think we should stop and ask for directions? And I look at my wife and say, I got this. I know where I'm going. You won't believe this. After driving over one hour in the wrong direction, late for, late for an appointment, I was supposed to preach on a Saturday morning for a group of pathfinders. I said, it's time to ask for directions because we're really lost. But because we're driving in the middle of the desert, I mean, who can I stop and ask for directions? So I'm driving, and I don't want to confess that I'm lost, and my wife is right because she has, you know, I, I could sense the self-righteous spirit already right there sitting by me. I could hear her saying, told you, told you, told you, told you, told you. I could hear it. She wasn't saying, but I, but I could hear it. So finally, I see a police officer, a cop. He had just pulled over some guy that was too excited about his new sports car. And I, I pulled right behind him. So when the police officer saw me, he, he gave me that look like, what in the world is this guy doing here in the middle of the desert, uh, you know, the, the guy's pulling me, parking behind me. So the police officer, he was not too happy. He left everything he was doing. He came to me. You sit right there, young man, and don't get out of that car. I was like, okay. So he goes there, finishes up with the guy, writes a ticket, whatever it is. The guy goes, and he comes back to my window. He said, what? I said, well, I'm just looking for directions. He's like, what? Where do you live? And I told him where I live, where I live. And then he said, where are you going? When I told him where I was going, he couldn't hold it. <laughs> he, was like, he looked at my wife like, where in the world did you find this guy? And in the background, I could hear, told you, told you, told you. She didn't say it, but I could hear it. 
How does it feel to be lost? How does it feel to get lost? It's not fun, is it? How does it feel when somebody you like and you love gets lost? You lose phone contact and you try to text the person, try to talk to the person, and the person is not answering. How does it feel? Is my son, is my daughter lost? Is everything okay with them? I told them to be here at 10 p.m. That's the curfew at the house, and it's 9.55. I haven't seen them yet. Are you like that? I'm a little bit like that. Today, I would like to share with you a story in the Bible. I'm always looking for principles in the Bible. I'm always looking for stories that will help me to become a better human being, that will change my life. And I really believe that this story today, in this beautiful Sabbath morning, I think this story here today can really, really, really bring an incredible teaching moment for you. And I hope, this is my promise, I hope that in the end of this message today, you will leave this place trusting more in God and loving more God. I would like to invite you to come to the book of Matthew, and I would like to read this passage with you. So if you come with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, and uh, we're going to read this incredible story about the, the, this lost sheep. And I would like to read the story with you, and I want you to pay attention because I'm going to be asking you some questions today. Matthew 18, verse 12 through 14, it says, in verse 10, we're going to start on verse 10, see that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Verse 12 now. What do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away? Will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? Verse 13. And if he finds it, if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. I would like to ask you, what comes out, what sticks out in the story when you, when you hear it, when you, when you read it? Help me out here. What did you hear? It's okay to say something. What do you hear in this story that really grabs your attention? What is that? How important this one sheep is. Isn't that right? Thank you. Anybody else? What else sticks out when you're reading this story? Anybody else? Anybody from here? Just shout it out. What is that again? This shepherd, he cares about the, this sheep that went away, that went astray. Isn't that right? I saw another hand somewhere in here. Yes. Oh, I love that. I had a discussion with someone 
couple days ago, and we were talking about this. It seems like that the shepherd, he really will take care of the 99 before he goes after the other one. Isn't that right? You have no idea how right you are. This is absolutely in the Gospel of Matthew, and I agree with you 100%. Apparently, the shepherd here, he's concerned about the 99. Some Bible translation say, says that he took them to a mountain. If you look in the Gospel of Matthew, you understand what really it means to go up into a mountain and where is the place of God and where God speaks. The 99, they, they are taken care of. Thank you so much. Anybody else before we, we, we move on? Anything else that strikes you? Yes. He took his time to find the lost sheep. His time to find the lost sheep. Isn't that right? Have you ever, uh, did any of you see the, the little clause there? If he finds her. If he finds her. Did you, did you catch that? I want you to catch that. It says right there in the text. If he finds her or the lost sheep. And then he ends with the saying that Oh, it's not the will of the Father that none of them get lost. Will they get lost? Come with me now to the Gospel of Luke. Please, let's go to the Gospel of Luke together. And we're going to skip this real quick. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke real quick. Luke and the, the chapter that we're reading is chapter 15 on the Gospel of Luke. Okay? I want you to know that, you know, just going back to what you said about uh, the shepherd is concerned that the, the sheep are taken care of, we know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but we know that the Gospel of Luke was written primarily to Jewish people. And that there's some interesting facts here. Some people say that the Gospel of Matthew, actually, is kind of a rewriting of the Pentateuch, of the first five books of the Bible that are so important to the Jewish people. We see that uh, uh, a new law is being proposed in the, the Gospel of Matthew. We have five speeches performed by Jesus. Chapter 18 talked about church rules. Chapter 5 talks about more about Jewish rules in the Gospel of Matthew that are reinterpreted. Therefore, Jesus is presented as a scribe, as a teacher. And what does a teacher do? What does a philosopher do? What does he do? He reads the law and he reinterprets interprets the law and he teaches his new teaching, his new ways. So in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is presented as this incredible scribe that not only he knows everything about the law, but now he's putting a different spin into the law. Now he's cutting off what they have interpreted or how they have, what they have done wrong in regards to these laws. Matthew 28 it ends with, Jesus giving instructions to his disciples, saying, now that you saw me doing this, now you, you go and do it. Therefore, go and baptize in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach all nations. The scribe is not only reinterpreting the law, but now he is passing this information along to his disciples and telling them, now you do the job. You are scribes now. You are teachers now. Go. Some people have suggested that the Gospel of Matthew looks a lot like a church manual. During the first century, when these people are still Jewish, they're still Jews, and they're trying to make sense of this Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, man, healer, 
Some people believe that the Gospel of Matthew comes as a form of a church manual to educate this new congregation, this new group of people now that are still Jews and are followers of the Messiah, this man Jesus. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke. And let's read this passage here together. And I think I have it here. It's too small. But uh, let's read it together. It says here that now the tax collectors on the right-hand side here and the sinners, they were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were muttering. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country? And go after the lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders, and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors all together, and he says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Quite different story, isn't it? What are the things that just stick out and just jump when you're reading this passage? It's your time again to participate. What, what do you say? How different is, are these two stories? What did you catch in the Gospel of Luke differently? Anybody? What is that? They're left in the open country or in the wilderness instead of being left safe, safely in the, in, the, in the mountains. Isn't that right? Quite interesting. Why in the world Luke presents this very same story in this way? Anybody else? What else is comes out when you hear this beautiful parable, this beautiful story. Yes, Wyatt. The word if is missing. If he finds it, it's not the willing of the Father that none of them get lost. But guess what? Some might. Do you find this in the Gospel of Luke? Thank you, Wyatt. No, the shepherd in the Gospel of Luke, he will find it. And then when he finds it, what does he do? He puts his sheep on his shoulder. He rejoices. He brings the sheep home. He throws a beautiful party, and he tells everybody, rejoice with me, celebrate with me, because my sheep, she was lost, and now she's found. And then he ends this story in his gospel that's saying, oh, there's a party in heaven when a sinner repents, even more than 99 that do not need him. How incredible this story. What does it mean, the Gospel of Luke, differently from Matthew? We know for a while that the Gospel of Luke is a gospel that was written to the Gentiles. Luke is primarily talking to this kind of people that know very little about the Jewish costumes. He's writing this, his gospel to a group of people that very little they want to have anything to do with the Jews, probably. So he's presenting Jesus to this group of people. There are interesting themes in the Gospel of Luke that you don't find in any other Gospels. This idea of universalism, this idea that anybody can be 
saved, that accepts Jesus. It's all over the pages of the Gospel of Luke. Salvation is offered to everybody. In the Gospel of Luke, you have to become a Jew to be saved. Not in Luke. You don't see that. Jesus is teaching to the outcasts. The non-Jews are invited into the kingdom of God. And then we know that Luke is a companion of Paul. And we know how Paul deals with women if you want to know how he talks about women, go to the end of the chapter 16 of the book of Romans and you see what Paul has to say about women, how they ministered along with him. This is the context of the Gospel of Matthew. Back to the Gospel of Matthew. The whole chapter it starts with a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The next story goes to saying, if anyone causes one of my little ones to stumble... And the story then goes to the parable of the wandering sheep. And then it goes dealing how they dealt with sin in the church. And then finally ends that chapter with the parable of the unmerciful servant. Do you understand what Matthew's doing with his story to his audience here? Look at the context of the Gospel of Luke. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. What do we know about the parable of the lost sheep? Does she know she's lost? In the Gospel of Luke, it's the shepherd who lost the sheep. In the Gospel of Matthew, she wandered away. And then we have the parable of the lost coin. Something is lost inside of the house, and this something doesn't even know it's lost. Somebody has to go there and say, hey, you're lost. I found you. Oh, my precious. And then we have the parable of the lost son as well. You might be asking, why is he talking about the different kinds of gospels here, telling, talking about the same story? I am a firm believer that during the first century, there are many different forms of Christianity. And I want to ask your permission to show you something here that uh, I, I hope, I hope you I don't, don't get you too upset about it. But not long ago, they have found another gospel that it was the thing, the conversation in the 20th, 20th century. It's called the Gospel of Thomas. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this gospel. Very famous during the 20th century. It's not in your Bible. It's not a part of the canon. It's not believed to be inspired. So therefore, it's not there for whatever reason. So I'm just showing you this because of comparison, nothing else. The, tra the tradition says that Jesus had a twin brother. This is how they present the Gospel of Thomas. And his name was Didymus Judas Thomas. And Didymus actually means the twin, the twin brother. This Gospel was largely found in Syria, Mesopotamia, and in India, the west part of India. And uh, so many people believe that Thomas is actually the apostle that brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to India, so that you know. This piece of manuscript was found in 1945 in a village in Egypt called the Nag, Nag Hammadi. I think that's how it's presented. It's pronounced it. Thirteen large books found that was probably buried during the 4th century nearby the Nile River. This gospel has shown that the early Christian writers had already mentioned that this gospel was in existence, but nobody knew or nobody had access to a copy of it until not long ago. 
Pieces were found in many different places in Egypt. And this gospel is pretty much the sayings of Jesus. If you go into a library or something or on the internet and you find the gospel of Thomas to read it, the only thing you're going to find is, and then Jesus said the story, and then Jesus said another story, and then Jesus said another story, and Jesus said another story. So that's why they call the Logians or the sayings of Jesus. And I want to share something here with you. The Gospel of Thomas presents no birth narrative, no passion, no resurrection, and most people believe that the Gospel of Thomas was written after Jesus resurrected. Quite mystical. I'm not sure if we have time to do this, but it's, it's a, a kind of a form of Gnosticism, uh, like a, a, a hidden secret society that knows, knew something about Jesus that other people didn't know. It's believed that existed during the times of Jesus. Flesh is evil, according to the Gnostics. Matter is inferior to material things. Ideas never die. The soul never dies. Salvation is not from the material. And this whole emphasis on Sophia, this goddess that decides to create material, a physical world. And because she does, everything that is in the material and the physical world is bad, is corrupted, so according to the Gnostics, Jesus has to come to this physical world and rescue those who have the sparkle, the spark of the divine and take them out of this lost and condemned material world. Anyway, we're spending too much time here. Let's move forward a little bit. Uh, this is Logian, or it's saying number 107 in the Gospel of Thomas. Look at, look at what it says. The same story. Look at this. The, father, the Father's kingdom is like a shepherd. This is from the Gospel of Thomas, who had a hundred sheep. Look at the story. One of them, the largest one, she went astray. Very similar so far, isn't that? He left the 99, and he looked for the one until he found it. And after he had toiled, he said to the sheep, now he talks to the sheep, I love you more than the 99. Isn't that interesting? Very similar story. People have a lot of questions when this gospel was written or, you know, it was really Thomas who wrote it and all this kind of stuff. I just wanted to show you again for the sake of uh, comparison between all the other two gospels. What is different in this, in this uh, story here, in this parable, that is different than the other Gospels? Anybody, real quick? What do you find differently here? Do you see there that the largest sheep is the one that wanders away? Isn't that interesting why he would say such a thing? And then, of course, he talks to the sheep and he tells her, I love you more than the other. What this story means in this Gospel how does this story make you feel about all these three stories? How do these stories make you feel about the love and your value to God? What does this shepherd represent in all these stories? I love the version in the Gospel of Luke. He will toil. He will find. He will do whatever it takes to find his lost sheep. Isn't that great? Now, I just want to finish by telling you a story that happened to me. I believe in 1997, I was still in Brazil. It was summertime, a Sabbath afternoon. We're finishing a week of prayer, and uh, 
we are in a different city that had about 20,000 uh, people, not more than that, a very small, tiny little city. And then when we're done listening to the preacher preaching on a Sabbath morning, we were, of course, looking for a place to eat. And then this lady, she came to the whole group and she said, would you like to come and eat in our house? We have a potluck and some friends will be eating there and we were from, from the same family. And I want you to know, this was a lady on her mid-50s. She was kind of short, a little bit over five feet tall. She had this sad expression on her face. On her face. Kind of grayish hair. You know, like in Brazil, you know, some of the ladies, especially that age, they don't dye their hair and kind of stuff. So she had that grayish hair. She had a little bowl or something that pulled her hair back. She had this long dress, like, you know, the ladies in Brazil, they kind of, you know, dressed all the time, like, sweeping the floor where, where they walk, you know. And uh, so she comes to the whole group, and she says, would you guys like to come to our house? So we start walking down the street, this barren and empty street, no cars around, and we're walking down the street trying to look for her house, and we're just observing everything that is going on. And, and sure enough, at the end of the street, on the left-hand corner, that was her house, and we all were invited to go in and eat with her. And later on, we're actually sitting on the, on the backyard there because, you know, when you invite a lot of people to your house, you cannot seat them, everybody in the kitchen. So we're sitting outside anywhere we could, and we're just eating and chatting. But there is something interesting about this woman. The way she looked at me, she looked like she wanted to talk to me and say something. Have you ever had somebody that you, when you're around that person, you always know that that person wants to say something, but that person, for whatever reason, she doesn't say anything? Have you ever had pe people around you like that? That lady, she was kind of like that to me. She was looking to me in a way that she wanted to say something, and she looked, as I said, she had this sad look on her face, somebody that suffered so much all her life. And sure enough, I approached her, and the conversation started. She looked at me, and she said, Gilbert, I'd like to ask you a question. And I said, yes. Is that about me? No, it's about the Bible. And he said, yes, let's talk about the Bible. Sabbath afternoon. What a better way to end the Sabbath day, isn't that right? And, and I asked her, what do you want to talk about the Bible? You know what she asked me? She asked me this. Do you believe that if someone lives his life, all his life, he grew up in the church and he, all his life is at the church, but for whatever reason, he leaves the church for a little bit and then he dies, is that person going to be saved? And as I try to answer the question and I'm trying to think about what this person is saying, she hits me for another question. Do you believe that the Seventh-day Adventist church is the only way to God, is the only way for our salvation? I'm thinking, I, I, I hope not. I, 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 you know, I, I don't know. And of course, we have a beautiful message. And I, I'm trying to understand why she's asking that. And then she hits me with another question. Do you believe in the final judgment? And I said, well, yeah, I, I, I believe it. And then she kept on asking questions after questions after questions, and she would not stop. She would not even let me answer her questions. And finally, when I had the opportunity, I looked at her and I said, can I ask you a question? She said, yes. I asked her, have you lost someone recently? 
Have you lost someone recently? And when I asked this question, you should have seen, you should have been there with me to look at this lady's expression. This sad face was even, it was horrifying to look. Tears already started falling down her face, and you know, I knew that she was talking about someone she loved dearly that she had lost not long ago. It took her a little while, but she looked at me and she said, Gilbert, yes, my son, my son, we raised him in the church. My son, he was in the Pathfinder's Adventures. He was a wonderful kid, Gilbert. I said, yeah, I believe you. Oh, you don't understand, Gilbert. He grew up in the church. We taught him all the customs and everything of the church. I was being faithful as best as I could to educate my son. I did everything I could. But Gilbert, my son, he started hanging out with some friends that were not from the church. And one day I found out that he started drinking. And I said, wow, that's kind of sad. And I'm thinking in my mind, she thinks he's out of the church because he drinks. I could not even ask the question. She, answered, she continued to talk and she said, Gilbert. Later on, we found out that he started using drugs. And Gilbert, my son, had a motorcycle and he loved to race. And I'm thinking in my mind, the conversation is getting more complicated by the minute here. In my judgmental being, I'm thinking, this guy's lost. And before I said anything, Marie was her name. She looked me in the eye. She said, my son died three years ago in a motorcycle accident. He lost control of his motorcycle and he hit one of those huge trees and then he died instantly. And I'm afraid I have lost my son forever. Can God save my son, Gilbert? What would you tell someone? What would you say to someone that asks you that kind of question? It took me a little while. This lady's crying and she still has this very sad face, this sad expression. And then, I think it was a God moment. God gave me a scripture to share with her and I would like to share the scripture with you. This is from the book of John Chapter 10, this is the scripture that I shared with, him, with her, and I want you to tell me if I, did, if I did okay. This is the only thing I could tell her. John chapter 10, this is what I shared with Marie. Verse 27 of the Gospel of John. John 10, 27. My sheep... My sheep listens to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. And no one, no one can snatch them out of my hands. So I told this lady, your son at one point in his life had dedicated his life to follow the Lord. He was probably baptized in the church. He was having a hard time in his life when he wandered off. And I told her, I want to tell you that he belongs to God and God will do anything for him. 
and nobody can take him out of the land, out of the hands of the good shepherd. And I'll give you a minute to, to let this sink in. I know what you're thinking. So, Pastor Gilbert, you believe that once saved, always saved? You won't believe this. Last Friday, I was talking to Pastor Gary until late in his office, last Friday night. And I said, Pastor Gary, I see a couple problems in this, in this message. He said, well, what are they? I said, well, what if I talk about the Gospel of Thomas? He said, what about the Gospel of Thomas? Do you think people might, might, might be a little concerned that I'm reading this kind of stuff in the church? He said, do you think they should? He's like, you're not helping, Pastor Gary. Why do you think people are going to be concerned? I said, forget that, Pastor Gary. Pastor Gary, do you believe that when I share this story about this son and about this Bible text and no one can snatch this somebody that belongs to Christ, do you think that the church will think that I'm saying that once you're saved, you're always saved? You know what Pastor Gary told me? He said, what, what do you think? I said, I, Pastor Gary, I don't know. I don't have the answer to this question. And then Pastor Gary said something that was really powerful. He said, it's, it's a powerful Bible text, isn't it? I said, yes, Pastor Gary. It's an incredible Bible text. And then he pulled his Bible and got another Bible text. He got all excited and preached again. And he got his Bible and said, look at the book of Romans, chapter 8, 38 and 39, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. I was like, oh, hallelujah, praise Jesus. What a beautiful Bible text. So I don't know what to tell you if that son is going to be saved or lost. I, I, I didn't have anything to say to this mother, but read the scripture that say that one time he belonged to God, and I believe with all my heart that if he belongs to God, God will not allow that anybody snatch him out of the shepherd's hands. Now I want to ask a couple of questions before we're done here today. Do you have anyone in your family that is wondering? Have you lost a son? Have you lost a daughter? Have you lost a relative, someone that left the church? Is it someone in your family, maybe a son or daughter, that you keep on praying and asking the Lord Jesus to bring that person back to church? Day after day. And you're always concerned for the salvation of this beloved person. Do you have someone like that in your family? If you do, I would like to share this text with you. Because I have people in my family. So if you haven't figured out yet, I'm going to be very honest with you. I have people in my family that I'm not sure. And I'm, I would like to share this Bible text with you today. Found in the Gospel of John. My sheep, they know my voice. And they will listen to me. And no one, no one will ever snatch them out of my hands. That is the promise that the Lord Jesus makes to you today. That if you have someone in your family that is wandering out, wandering off, have somebody that is following Jesus from, a dis from distance, keep calling those promises every day. Say, Lord, say the name of your son or daughter or the person that you love so much. And you say, Lord, you have promised that you will keep my son my daughter, close to you because you promised. He or she belongs to you and you're promising that nobody can take them out of your hands. 
finishing up my conversation with Pastor Gary Friday night. He said, what are you trying to say, Gilbert, when you're preaching this message? I said, I don't know about the love of the Father. I'm talking, trying to talk about the love of the shepherd. I'm trying to talk about the shepherd will do anything to save anyone at any time. He said, why don't you say it? I said, I don't know how to say it. And Pastor Gary said the most brilliant thing I ever heard in my life. He said, Gilbert, when you follow Jesus, when you give your life to the Lord Jesus, I think what you're trying to say is, it's hard to be lost because nothing can separate you from his love. I wish I could go back and talk to Marie one more time. And I wish I could go back there when she would ask me again, will my son be lost forever? I wish I could be there to tell her, Marie, if he belongs to Jesus, if he belonged to Jesus, it's hard to be lost. Because he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. I hope today you feel much loved by God. I hope today that your faith is renewed in the Good Shepherd that will do whatever necessary to find you. And He will find you. And He will bring you back. And He will throw a party for you. And He will tell all His friends, rejoice with me. Celebrate with me. Because my, my little sheep, she was lost. Now she's found. She's safe. And she's secure. God bless you. Let's stand up together, please. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for challenging us today with this message. And thank you so much for your unconditional love. Thank you for reminding us that it's hard to get lost when we have the king of the universe on our side. Keep your faithful promise to those we love that we are concerned for. That nothing will snatch them out of your hands. In your name we pray. Amen.